Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within minority. I'm Dr. Shini Somara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more relaxed and open when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of online education. How are you? Great. I think considering that we, uh, we've had quite a lot of technical difficulties getting this podcast off the ground, um, how are you with technology? <laughs> it's, um, yeah, well, I've been in business for 10 years and uh, I'm actually quite good at technology normally, but, you know, technology just throws up challenges when you're not expecting it, you think you've got everything under control and um, it doesn't always work out the way you think it will. Does your business involve a lot of tech then? Yeah, it's completely online. Uh, I'm in a regional area and my customers are all over Australia. So we connect through the online platform. And did you start your career in tech? I didn't, I was in, um, I was a primary school teacher. Um, at the start of my career and then I became a mother and motherhood changed everything for me and I wanted to be present and be with my kids and so I I started an online business specifically so I would have better flexibility and more family time and I knew that technology and having an online business was the key to that that kind of lifestyle I was looking for. Right so how did you go about doing that because tech for a lot of people is a very intimidating career to get into. Um, I guess I started out, my early businesses weren't um, purely tech focused. Uh, and then it, I, it evolved over time. So I had a travel blog for a while and then I had a, a parenting forum. And over time, I guess I, I found my niche and I found my purpose and my why and, and things have developed. Because, you know, this podcast is for women in STEM. Mm. How do you qualify as a woman in STEM, in your opinion? I guess I, I use technology every day and it's enabled me to create a business um, and a life that, that works. And without technology, what I do today wouldn't exist. You know, and I, I think about... Um, my grandmother's time and it's quite amazing the opportunities that we have as women because we have access to technology um, particularly as an entrepreneur you can start a business and you can make it work around your family um, you can be working with people all over the world and it doesn't matter where you are as long as you've got a wi-fi connection and a laptop you can be working and and have connection to the whole world mm. It always seems like technology and startups in the world of entrepreneurism is a great option for mothers. Um, I've heard it before on other episodes from women saying that they started out in you know, a much more corporate environment, but after having kids, um, technology startups seem to be a much more forgiving environment to continue your career. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you think of the traditional nine to five, those hours were never designed with a, with a woman in mind or families in mind. When they came up with the idea that, you know, you should go to work and you should leave home and go to the office and start at nine and finish at five, that was designed for um, families with a single income earner who was the 
the husband and the wife took care of things in the home and drove the kids to school. And the hours that are involved with corporate just don't work for women with children in school or certainly doesn't work with a baby's schedule. And so mm. an online business just gives you that flexibility that you can work the hours that work for you. You can work around, you know, baby's naps or you can finish at three and pick up your kids. You can make it work in a much more flexible way that the traditional structures of working and particularly corporate um, don't have the flexibility for. Yeah. So basically you took your career um, as a teacher and you know basically boosted it through technology by creating an online educational platform um wasn't it really scary the idea of doing that i mean it it it, it kind of terrifies me the idea of like you know turning your teaching into something online how did you approach the i don't know the intimidation of doing that that's a great question. Um, and the honest answer is, is that when I started out in business, my business looked nothing like the way it looks today. So um, there's been quite a lot of evolution of my business as it's grown and changed over time. And so my career, my previous career was education and I've ended up back in education. So I was a teacher before and now I have my own school, which is kind of cool. Um, but along the way, I did all kinds of different things to try and find my space and um, where I could, how my business would work. So it wasn't as easy as going, okay, well, I'm a classroom teacher um, and, and I have a class and I'll just start a classroom online and get classes going and be a teacher in a digital space. Mm. It was actually, it took many, many years of trying different things and listening to the market and um, working with the technology and finding ways to, um, to put it all together. So how many years are we talking? Ah, oh, well, <laughs> um, I left the classroom in 2002 um, and I started my, um, I started doing online education probably in about 2010. So there was a few years there in between, but what my business looks like now is um, something I started in 2016. So talking, <laughs> that's like 14 years between leaving the classroom and starting my own school. Um, and of course I was doing things and learning um, how to use technology and building a community and learning about marketing and sales and finances and all of those things across that time to get me to where I am today. Gosh, mm. and how's the journey been? Cause it's been long, that's for sure. <laughs> it has been a long journey. Um, and it's been challenging at times. There's been times when I've wanted to quit, when I've wanted to walk away from it and go, this is too hard. I'm just going to go and get a normal job. I don't even care what kind of job it is. I'll just work at the supermarket because this is too hard. Um, of course, there were those moments. But there's also been a lot of fun along the way as well. Um, as a part of my business, we run events. And um, I'm in business with my sister as well. So we do a lot of travel together and, um, and have fun doing different things. So it's been hard, but it's also been rewarding. And I just love working with women. I think that's been the most important thing. I've identified that, you know, my purpose and my why is in supporting women and um, being part of their journey to, to grow their businesses. And I think if I hadn't had such a strong purpose, I wouldn't have continued through those challenging times. Mm. Why do you enjoy working with women? Uh, I guess, I guess that I, in the women that I work with, I see that many of them have untapped potential. So they, they've got this incredible potential, but they're not, they don't know how to get to it or they're, they're being held back in some way, or I don't know, they have fear around showing up and, and doing their work in the world. And so I love being a part of of helping them work through those kind of things so that they can get the courage and the confidence to really put themselves out there to promote themselves and promote their business and to develop their ideas and to back themselves. And so when you see somebody who's, who you've helped to go on that journey from being held back to then, you know, stepping into their story and sharing 
their vision with the world. It's pretty powerful to be part of that. So I, I really love that process. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's such a fascinating topic because women are so capable in STEM or otherwise. And often what it is that holds them back is their own levels of self-belief. Absolutely. I mean, do you find that you're actually educating them more on confidence and self-esteem issues rather than the technical stuff itself? Yeah, absolutely. Our, our business school is, it's a balance of professional development and personal development. So, you know, when, when I, um, when I'm promoting the program, I'm talking about, you know, we're going to cover marketing and finances and sales. So, um, talk about all of those things that you're signing up for this course and you're going to get all these hardcore skills. And of course we do all of those hardcore skills, but through, um, through the course and through the assessment tasks and the activities that they do, they actually have to um, challenge themselves. They're kind of challenging and they have to find that inner courage to step up. Um, one of the modules is about uh, raising your profile and positioning yourself as an expert. And that really is one that they struggle with. They seem to, they're like, no, I, I, I can't call myself an expert. I'm not qualified enough. And they have yeah. all this fear and resistance around it. And, you know, the imposter syndrome um, is coming down hard on them. And I work with them to see that actually you do have something valid to share. You may not have a PhD in that field, but you've been working in this field for more than 10 years your, your opinion is valid and you do have something to say and something to share. And so helping them to recognize that and not be afraid of sharing their voice is a really important thing. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because um, as a woman with a PhD, it doesn't necessarily help confidence levels. Um, that's been my experience. Like no matter what qualifications you have, I think... Um, certainly for me as a woman, I'm always focusing on what I don't have and what I could improve. Yeah. And that is so, that's so common. And there's this, mm. there's this idea that, you know, even though women are really qualified, they're looking for, okay, well, but I now I need the next qualification and the next one. And Sheryl Sandberg talks about it in Lean In. Um, even she has imposter syndrome. We have these thoughts yeah. in our mind that tell us, oh, you're not, you're not smart enough, you're not qualified enough, you're not pretty enough. And it's not the truth. That's just this voice in your head trying to keep you small and trying to keep you safe by, by limiting you and keeping you in this safe and small space. But you actually have to step out of that small space if you want to do big work in the world, if you want to follow your purpose and follow your calling. And, yeah, that personal development stuff is essential to yeah. success. I mean, to follow your calling and to really stand strong in your own skin takes a lot of effort. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, and you have to hold on to a vision that no one else can see often. And as an entrepreneur, something really common that I hear all the time is that friends and family often don't, don't get it. They don't know why you would want to do this crazy thing. Like, why don't you just go back to the classroom and be an ordinary teacher why do you have to try and create this global business school and, and do all these things? Um, and I guess, you know, why do I, what, what's my why? I do have that calling. I feel compelled to work with women as entrepreneurs and to encourage them to step up and, and be the best version of themselves and to share their gifts with the world. I know that when women start businesses, they come from a, a, not a place of making a profit, Yes, they want to make a profit, but it's about more than that for most women. It's about making a difference either for themselves and their own family or for the wider community or the world at large. And I see that theme coming up again and again in the work I do with women, this really strong calling and, and um, belief in what, they, what they're doing and why they're doing it. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm, as I listen to you, I mean, you're raising issues that, we've struggled with for generations and I guess now is the time that it's never been better for women to really stand strong and be assertive about their 
abilities. Um, women are being given more opportunities for education and for climbing up the career ladder and that with the whole Me Too movement, there's a lot more compassion towards allowing women to strive for what they want. Um, but what are the barriers that are still holding us back? I think for women, um, because they're so purpose-driven and they, they're not as focused on the profit, that can be a real barrier. They're, they're, women are, I don't want to generalise, but for thousands of years, women have been the nurturers and they love to help others and to give back and do good things. And so that can cause issues with money. So I see that as a real issue, particularly for women in entrepreneurship, the idea that they want to do the right thing by everybody. And sometimes that means that they're doing things, they're working for free or they're giving heavily discounted. And so that causes a problem for their cash flow and their profitability and the sustainability of the business um, inevitably. So that's, that's an issue. Um, and then again, you know, it's these limiting beliefs. I, I know that that's holding a lot of women back. They, this idea that they feel that they're not good enough, that they don't deserve to charge higher prices, that they don't deserve to be out there promoting themselves and doing PR and doing interviews and calling themselves an expert. There's this, a lot of limiting beliefs around that. And I think that's definitely mm. holding them back massive sweeping statement but the fact that we are nurturers and want to do good in the world is a real positive um so it's not like we should be trying to be more profit driven um but we should be trying to be we should i i guess we should be more uh assertive about the good we're trying to do in the world through our work um, and fight through society's obsession with profit. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I believe that women are the, they're the solution to solving so many of the world's problems because they have that, you know, that drive to help people and to make a difference. But their ideas aren't getting off the ground in a lot of cases because they don't have the same access to capital and resources that mm. men often have. Like when you look at the funding that go um, venture capital funding that goes to entrepreneurs and women get something like crazy, like 3% and the other 97% goes to men's ideas. So the men's ideas are the ones getting off the ground and going out into the world. And the women's are kind of staying small over here. And we need to balance that. We need to somehow even up those odds because women have these incredible ideas that are making a difference, but unless they're putting themselves into the right opportunities, they're not getting the traction that men's businesses are. And I think that's a real key. Yeah. How do we turn that around? That is a great question. Um, <laughs> I really love to out the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the idea of equity crowdfunding, the idea that women can back each other and mm. um, invest in each other's business, not just donate to each other, actually invest and get shares in each other's business. It's a new model. Um, I'm not sure what's happening in the UK or other parts of the world. But in Australia, it's only become a thing in the last 12 months. It's become legal. And so we've recently seen a woman raise $3 million in capital through equity crowdfunding. And I think it was something like 90% of her backers were other women. So we're giving women the opportunity to become investors and giving female founders the opportunity to be invested in. So I think I'm really excited about new alternative funding models like that, which can help women's ideas get off the ground. So that's one solution. I guess another solution would be more female investors. And it's on my vision board to become one of those investors one day down the track where I'm actually backing women's businesses. So yeah, I think if we, if we 
changed women's mindsets about how they can support other women instead of this idea of, you know, you have to go and get a VC and they have to give you the money. And often that's the idea of it being a male VC. If we can change that, then we can really see change. Yeah. I mean, either way, it actually requires women to support women. That's at the, the basis of all of this. Um, what's been your experience of women supporting women throughout your career? I'm really fortunate. I am surrounded by a large community of women who are supporting and uplifting each other and um, collaborating with each other and sharing advice and um, teaching and mentoring. And so I do have a really positive experience of women helping each other out in that way. Um, In terms of investment, though, they don't always have the capital to get behind other women. Mm. Um, in the yeah. large amounts that you see that you would see from, say, a VC funding, which is why equity crowdfunding can work, because if everybody chipped in $100 or $1,000, for one person to chip it in, it's not much. But if 100 women all put in $1,000, then it starts to really add up. Mm. Yeah. Have you experienced that kind of support earlier on in your career? I mean, how... Ha- I guess what I'm trying to get at is women supporting women may be a cultural thing um, and a generational thing. Have you always found women supportive? Uh, Look, certainly there's women who aren't supportive of other women who, um, who don't help other women out and are just kind of out for themselves. But it's, it's a small percentage of women in my experience. Um, Mm. The majority of women that I know and that I work with are very supportive and generous and genuinely want to help each other. I must admit I have um, cultivated a community of women around me, though, who are supportive and generous. That's, that's the community that we've created through um, my business. Yeah. And I think that's the key, really, is that when women see that other women are supporting them, they, they open up to helping others it changes everybody's mindset um but i think particularly in stem fields women have always been quite defensive because there's been so few of them and so they've always felt like they've needed to self-protect and so it's been less of a culture of um helping others yeah and i think that kind of um that kind of thing comes through in corporate as well from what i've heard there's, it's, you know, it's about the hierarchy and you're trying to fit into these traditionally male um, structures. And so women will often have to take on some of those masculine qualities to be able to get ahead in those spaces. So it's a different environment. Mm. Yeah. And I guess the more we see women in the workplace, the more um, women will relax. I mean, one of the major problems that we have in STEM is a lack of role models. If you can't see it, you can't be it. Um, And people like you are changing that. Um, How important are role models in your opinion? They're hugely important in my opinion. I just, I think we need to see more and more women. We need to hear more women's stories. We need to be inspired by other women. We need to see that there's women just like us out there doing big things in the world and, but also um, having children and making all of that work. Um, we, we need a, a whole range of diverse role models as well from different ethnicities and different um, countries and geographic locations. We need to see women in the world doing things across all industries, not just in STEM, but everywhere. You know, we need to see more women's representation in the media. Um, in, we need more films that are stories about women. I mean, you know, you think about all the children's films and the mother always dies in the Disney films. Well, where's, like, where's the role model of what a mother should look like? Um, we need role models across the whole spectrum. Yeah. So how do we take those first steps to encourage role models to step forward? Because certainly in my own work, I've met some incredible women, um, 
so the role models are out there how do we capitalize on that mm. for good well i think the other aspect is the culture of an organization as well that makes a difference too so when we were talking before about corporate and women becoming more masculine to fit into that structure it's because of the, the culture needs to change um, but in terms of elevating women as role models, we need to be giving them more opportunities to be seen um, in the media. We need to be, we need women to be nominating themselves for awards and accolades like that so that we can see women, so that women are given more opportunities to talk about their work and talk about what they're doing. And other women are able to see them doing these things because if they're working hard behind the scenes, well, no one knows that. So we need to, they need to be visible and they need to be telling their story. Mm. Well, it's again this idea that women really need to speak up. Um, and I think women really struggle to speak up sometimes because they just think, well, why would anyone want to listen to me? Or I don't want to come across as arrogant. I've often faced people saying, oh God, you know, you, you just want everyone to see you and hear you and you want to be recognized and validated. And it's like, well, if I, if I don't do that, then no one will know that it can be done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And whenever you step up and shine your light, it gives someone else permission to, to step up and shine their light too. And I think it's so important for women to get over that idea of, you know, it's not bragging to talk about your accomplishments and your achievements. You're actually inspiring other people by sharing your story and talking about the work that you're doing. It's really important for women to be sharing their voice. Yeah, and for, for, for women to, and for people to just say, look, it's not, um, it's nothing to be ashamed of that you are uh, celebrating your journey. Um, and just really clarifying that this is not, you know, a self-obsessed um, self-celebration, you know, it's mm. more just giving permission to women to, to speak up for themselves too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We should be able to talk about who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it. We shouldn't have to hide all the time and make ourselves small. That's not what we were born to do. We were born to make a difference and go out and live our lives and do things. And we shouldn't be ashamed to share our story or, what we're, or talk about the things we're passionate about. I think you've hit the nail on the head because this idea of making ourselves small seems to be ingrained in us as women. You know, we should be seen and not heard. Across all cultures, there's always this um, perception that women should be somehow in the background. And if women step out um, and make themselves known, somehow that's vulgar. Hmm. For thousands of years, that's been happening. Women have been expected to do what their husband says. I mean, it's in the in the um, marriage vows to to obey your husband, and and it's a, an ownership thing. And I know that in some countries of the world, men do own own their wives, and women are very much silenced. They they are not allowed to speak up and have a voice and follow their own career. I mean. There's countries where they, were, they weren't allowed to drive. They only were allowed to drive last year. Um, women have only had access to credit cards and their own bank accounts in the last 50 years. So women have been made to feel small and, and to hide and to be quiet for so long. And we're only just really beginning to step up and, and be seen and, and share our voice. So that's going to take time to change. Yeah, and I guess the first step towards change is to just speak up, but not in a self-obsessed way, because I think social media um, really promotes this idea of narcissism. Um, but actually, social media could be used to just have a voice and provide people with permission to have their voice. Um, but is this all, I mean, I'm, are we all just in denial and it's just a, a culture of self-obsession? 
<laughs> um, I, I can see what you're saying about um, social media, particularly Instagram and influencers who are posing in their bikinis and very photoshopped photos. And it's not, um, you know, it's not real life and reality at all. But by the same token, that's not everybody. There's plenty of people on social media and even on Instagram who are sharing very honest and vulnerable and, and open stories about um, about their achievements and about what they're doing and, and they're challenging things like body image and um, using it as a platform to share their message. So mm. I don't know. I think social media is interesting. It's given, it has given people a voice who didn't have a voice before and some people are using it in different ways. And I think because it's such a new kind of platform and technology, we're still working out what we're supposed to be doing with it and it's evolving and I can see it changing over time and it will continue to change over time. Um, but it certainly is giving plenty of people a voice who wouldn't have had a voice before. I mean, as a primary school teacher, I had a voice for my little class of 30 students and maybe within the school, I might've got to talk at um, school assembly once a week. But now I have a community of 30,000 women across Australia who I can speak to and I can do um, video and all kinds of things and, and reach a much wider audience with my message and my thoughts and my opinions and my beliefs. And, and I can talk about all kinds of issues that I would have had a very limited reach with talking about those things before. So yeah, I'm really interested to see where social media and technology is going to take us. Um, in that journey of, of helping women's voices be, be raised and be heard. Yeah, I mean, you're making me realise that actually um, we need to get over the fact that we have these amazing resources um, to connect with others around the world and technology has allowed us to have that voice. Um, and we need to focus more on the fact that we need to be careful about the way we convey our message. You know, I think so many people have been overwhelmed with how many they can reach. Mm. And now the focus needs to be on what it is that they are communicating. Um, and just be really careful because, you know, the message is really important. It, it, it shapes cultural perceptions um, and I just think you know as women we need to really represent what it is that we can do um, from within really particularly women in STEM you know it's a talent that comes from within it's not superficial it's not based on anything visual it, it, it's to do with um, you know an inner talents the workings of the mind and um, we need to somehow make sure that we are conveying that through social media. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to be hearing more of those stories about women in STEM who are doing amazing things. And we need to exactly. be that message. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of stories, I'm fascinated by your story because, you know, to juggle the ambitions of entrepreneurship and have children, how has that been? <laughs> oh, uh, it's, it's been, it's been hard. It has been hard. You know, I've have, I have four children yeah. and, wow. <laughs> and, um, I have a business, I'm in business with my sister, but I also have a business with my husband. So I'm juggling two businesses, um, and four children and it's a lot to manage. And sometimes it can be stressful and overwhelming, you know, if there's personal things happening, if the kids need me for doing things, but it's also a really busy time in my business, then trying to keep all of those balls in the air and not let anything drop, that can be stressful and challenging at times. Um, mm. But I would say that I've had to learn how to ask for help because I think women are so capable and can take on so much and can cope with so much our instinct is to just try and do everything ourselves, but it's not possible. And so over time I've learned that and I now have a great team around me um, within my business. I have a team of virtual assistants and I'm in partnership with my sister. So we share the load and we delegate the jobs. Um, and then mm. of course with my family as well, um, the kids have to help out with 
doing the dishes and making dinner and my husband as well he's expected to be part of the team it's not you know it's not he goes out to work and I look after the home we're a team and we do things together so I think that's been a um that's been a crucial learning for me and I think a lot of women struggle with that they see asking for help as a weakness or as a failure they think that they should be able to manage the house look after the children have them have you know healthy dinners every night and run businesses or have these ambitious careers and it's too much to expect that you can do everything on your own mm. and that really requires a very strong support system around you right as a woman that wants to juggle all of that yeah absolutely absolutely and i see a lot of women struggling with burnout um when they when they do try and take it all on and that's yeah. they they walk away from their businesses because it's too hard you, you can't but you shouldn't have to do everything by yourself you should be able yeah. to get people to help you i mean in working with women who are ambitious um how aware are they of building the support system around them um it's really interesting because women who are very ambitious and driven and have these big ideas and are entrepreneurial are also often um, control freaks <laughs> and perfectionists. Yeah. So they have trouble with letting go and delegating things to other people. So that is a real learning process that they have to start with baby steps by delegating a little bit of work and then see if they can find somebody they can trust to help them do the things. Um, so that that idea of letting go and um, trusting other people to do things is really important for women in developing mm. that support system. Yeah, because I've often had the thought that men are able to have it all because they really choose their partners carefully. Um, in that old traditional model of the, the wife staying at home, she would typically have uh, full control over the house and you know the the day-to-day -day runnings of the home and things like that um, while the man went out to bring home the bacon um, but women also have to adopt that mentality of choosing a partner that can be really supportive is that possible or are men and women's roles just too different to be able to make that selection process equal I think that things are changing. Things are definitely changing. Um, each generation, I think, is getting better at that. And I certainly hope that my sons will be um, more hands-on and get in and help their wives and, um, and have a different relationship because they've seen the way my husband and I have done things. And um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I think things are changing. Um, but there's some men who don't want to change. Like, why would they want to change? <laughs> I'd love to have a wife who you could just go and do the work and come home and know that everything was going to be organised and dinner was going to be ready when you got back. Um, mm. But we, we need for men to change and that's a, a big cultural change that has to happen. And, you know, as I was saying before, for thousands of years, women have been the homemakers and the nurturers and the men have mm. gone out and been the bread makers. And so we're really seeing big changes um, in the way that men and women live their lives and the whole dynamic of families at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like I'm hopeful that things will continue to change and that men will um, change and, and do more to support their partners in their um, ambitions and dreams. Um, but I, I don't know what the future holds. In that way. Right. I mean, what, how would you recommend uh, male mentalities change? Because, you know, my first career was um, completely surrounded by men. And I know that things could have been a lot easier had they been more open to having a woman present. I mean, what other changes could men make in the workplace? I think it has to come from a, yeah, the, the culture of the workplace has to change because as much as my husband's very hands-on and, and helps out when he's here, there is an expectation 
and I don't know whether this is an idea in his mind or whether it's truly is coming from his work that when he's at work, he's at work and he is not to sort of ask for extra time off to come and help with the children and those sort of things. So mm. that is a workplace culture issue yeah. that I can see that he is resistant to asking for time off um, for paternity leave. He had a day or two days off when my daughter was born, um, wow. which is crazy. And yeah. I think he, if he had have asked, they may have given him more time, but he didn't want to ask because he didn't want to be seen as unreliable or, yeah, those old-fashioned ideas of, you know, the man has to keep his job and they'll fire you if you start taking too much time off. He, he has some fears around that and I think that's quite common for a lot of men. Mm. Mm. There definitely has to be a culture of allowing men to have more of an equal participation in parenting and family life i think i think that would really level the playing fields yeah and there's there countries who so much there seems to be so much emphasis on the woman managing all of that yeah well for thousands of years that's what women have had to do they've had to manage all of that but there has been changes so i know it's I can't remember whether it's Norway or Sweden, but one of those countries has brought in a policy around parental leave and the man can take as much leave as the woman can take. And so I think they, they both get an equal amount. And if the man doesn't take it, they lose it. But they've been seeing that women are taking, I think it's three months, women are taking three months and the men are take, then take three months. And it's a much more equal um, across the board in things like gender payment, the gender pay gap's not as bad as it is in other countries and um, workplace flexibility. And there are more, more men who are stay-at-home dads and helping out with the kids. So there's things that we can change at a structural, like high-level government kind of level that then make a difference um, in the, at the family level to create change for, for other women. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like we're fighting biological instincts, though, because I think, I mean, let me know what you think about this, but women kind of want to have children. They have this biological yearning more than men, it seems. Um, and that really then translates to the workplace where men actually want to go to work and compete and kind of succeed and accomplish and and women actually have different aspirations for their futures. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't know whether that's true or whether we've just been culturally conditioned yeah. to be that way. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. you know, when you were talking about see it to be it, that's what we saw our mothers do. Maybe that's why women have such a strong instinct to be nurturers. Maybe if we saw men being nurturers if if boys grew up with their father caring for them then they'd be more likely to be hands-on dads and stay-at-home dads it's you know it's hard to tell because for thousands of years we've lived in this very this way of like the mum stays home and the dad goes to work and so as a culture that's what's expected and if you try and do something different to that it causes all kinds of problems because the workplace isn't set up to work that way and mm. the other people in the workplace aren't used to that yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is it, is, it I mean, is it nurture? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're doing something very different. You're, you're smashing through stereotypical roles. Would you recommend it, looking back over your experiences? I think I know that women want to be working. The majority of women I know do want to work they don't want to just be at home folding the washing and looking after the baby they actually have career and ambitions and things that they want to achieve and and do with their lives and so they have to find their own way to make that work and entrepreneurship is certainly not the easy easiest way to do that um but i've found it really fulfilling and i don't think i i couldn't have been a stay-at-home mum long term 
because I would have just started doing, I would have just run a volunteer group or got a nonprofit going. I would have ended up doing something I'm sure because Mm. it wasn't enough for me just as much as I love my children and love doing things with them and being things with them. It wasn't enough for me. I knew there was more for me to be doing in the world. And in order to raise four kids, have you needed to have help or have you been able to, in terms of actually managing your family um, or has it just been shared jobs between you and your husband? Um, I have, I had an au pair over the last couple of years while my, my daughter started school this year, but while she was younger, um, yeah, I had, an au pair come to my house and look after her a couple of days a week because it's not possible to run um, a a large national business (laughs) and also look after a young baby. Um, It does take a lot of time to be able to do that. And so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I must say you sound like you're a woman that does have it all. Um, And I wonder how achievable it is to be able to have it all or whether it's, you know, whether women should not set themselves up to strive for that and just be realistic that you have to choose one or the other, career or motherhood? (laughs) Well, that's the big question, isn't it? But I mean, like, if you just choose motherhood, what happens when the kids grow up? What are you going to do then? Can you really go back to your career after you've spent that time at home with the kids? And is it, what you, is it what you want? I mean, everyone's different. And I know that there are women who are very fulfilled by being stay-at-home mums and doing all of that for their family. And so I love that we have the flexibility and the choice to be able to do that if you want to. Um, but a lot of women want to be working and want to make it work for their family. And so I know that there's plenty of women who are working mums and um, we'll work part-time. But, yeah, I, I guess the idea of having it all, um, it's, it's hard. It's not, it's not easy to have it all. Yeah. Um, but I think it's possible to have, to have motherhood and to be with your kids and also to work. I, th- I think it is possible. I mean and I've made it work. It's, it took us a while. Like it's taken a a while for my business to be successful and at a point where I'm making a good income and all of those things, but it's working. Yeah. It certainly sounds like we are passing through that era where it was either one or the other. It does sound like we are moving into a time where women can juggle all of it. Uh, It's certainly not easy, but it is possible. And that kind of does fill me with hope because I think um, we've come from a place where people were like, no, you just need to choose one or the other. Um, And that seems really outdated today. Mm. I feel like at this point in time, we're in a real transition phase, Um, a transition from, you know, in the past, it was very much patriarchal structures and, and a masculine kind of structures out that were designed um but now where women and men are coming together to co-create the future vision for how the world's going to look that's that's what my hope is anyway that we that we have a more balanced view of, of bringing together the feminine and the masculine to create new structures and new systems that work better for everyone so you know we're seeing more and more people having the opportunity to work remotely and to have flexible work Things are changing and I am hopeful that we are transitioning to this new time where families work better with the way that they, they live their lives and care for their children but also work and fulfil professional ambitions. Yeah, and that is all possible, it feels like, because of technology. Um, Absolutely. You know, never has remote working been possible without, you know, those apps and resources that allow you to connect through telecommunication and video and conference calling and all of that. So I just, I feel like, um, I think a lot of women seem to be getting quite um, hot under the collar about um, their 
opportunities and um, you know opportunities to juggle a career and motherhood but I also think they're getting agitated about it because it's so within reach now thanks to technology yeah absolutely like the opportunities that we have now are incredible the choices that we have just didn't exist they didn't exist a generation ago um, when I think about my own mother um, she's an accountant there was no way she could work from home as an accountant back in mm. the 70s and 80s when when I was growing up and so she had a little side hustle, I guess, where she would do the neighbor's ironing for them and get paid to do the ironing. Like it's, it's crazy because she's so capable and so qualified. Mm. She should have been doing accounting and doing it all online. But of course that wasn't invented yet. So she didn't have the opportunities. Whereas, you know, women who are accountants now can be running their own business from home and, and they've got access to technology and they don't have to take in people's ironing. They can, use their skills to run a business and but also be at home with their children so the right. team just changed so much yeah and I, I guess from this conversation I'm realizing that um, really where our minds need to be at is that the technology's there we're capable um, the future is open to more women being in the workplace and so really what's left is just a, a self-belief, an inner knowing that this is the right thing for us to be doing and to develop that assertiveness and confidence in doing it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And also to be out there supporting other women along the way. So the more, um, you know, the older women, the more experienced women need to be giving a hand up to those women who are just starting out and coming up through the ranks and say, you know, we've got your back, let's do this together. Because that's how we create change. It's women supporting other women to help them come up through their career. What a beautiful note to end on. It's been so amazing talking to you and really kind of, I feel like you are pushing change for women in the workplace. I, yeah, I really get that strong sense that you are um, in total support of women and their ambitions career-wise. And really, we now need to just get on and do it and believe in ourselves that we can. Yeah, we do. We've got all these opportunities. Let's make the most of them and make things happen. Thank you so much for coming on Silence. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed talking with you today. That's it from my guest this week. Ah, oh, I am completely full of hope as a result of talking to her. I think that things have never been so good for women in the workplace and following their careers. And it's really now down to us to believe we can and develop that confidence and stand up for ourselves, fight for what we want and not to feel like we have to please anybody other than ourselves to do good to help others and to really make a difference in this world thank you so much for listening this week don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence <laughs> <laughs>